2: Welcome to Off the Looking Glass. I'm Kate Fagan. And that sound you don't hear would be when Jess says, and I'm Jessica Smetana, but she's actually pretty sick this week. So we are giving her the week off to rest up and rest her voice. And honestly, we're doing you a favor because you, dear listener, Jess doesn't sound so great. And no one wants to hear someone who's really sick. House of Representatives has voted to extend the FISA
3: surveillance
2: program. (laughs) And beyond that, it gives me a perfect opportunity to wax poetic about Jessica Smetana because she's not here to stop me or to feel uncomfortable. So we have been doing this show together for... Oh gosh, it's almost a year and a half, two years, and she is one of my all-time favorite people to work with for many different reasons, one being her sense of humor, her ability to go on any detour that we happen to stumble down, and she's like a yes and person for you improv people out there. So I love her, and um, we'll also see if she listens back to this episode, because then I'll get a very nice text from her. So it is on me to tell you what we are doing on today's kind of different episode of Off the Looking Glass. It's technically a mailbag episode, which I guess we can kind of say is like a grab bag episode because we're going to do a couple different things here today. And as it turns out, I don't know if it's the perfect episode for Jess to miss because she's the one who actually sent along the topic that we will be diving into today. Jess and Anya, our producer Anya, also being the resident golfers. They're both really into golf. I am not at all into golf, but we are going to talk today to two golfers from Meredith. That's a Division three school. We are going to talk to Macy Aycock and Sarah Marshall. And I'll attempt to do a hype intro on these two, but as you'll see from the discussion, it's less of a hype intro and more of a really fun discussion about this thing that they did to keep Meredith Golf alive. And Macy and Sarah would admit that they started out as terrible golfers and their experience on the course was pretty much on par ha, 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 with what I expect my first experience on the golf course to be like. And then we also have a very special sketch. As Jess would say if she's here, don't skip the ads. Our guests today are from Meredith College in Raleigh, North Carolina. They are both golfers One is a 22-year-old business admin major from Raleigh, and the other is a 20-year-old public relations and a double minor in bio and poli-sci from Whitakers, North Carolina. Let's bring them on. Macy K. Aycock and Sarah Marshall. We both loved the story in Golf Digest, read it. Cover to cover, even though it's not a book. I'm going to use that phrase. So you guys are like mini celebrities to us. You're like legitimately friends now. Yes, we are. (laughs) Okay. All right. Cool. Very cool. If one of you could kind of give us like the how and why of what happened with Meredith College and the golf, that would be awesome.
3: Okay, so Meredith College sends out an email. They had had, I want to say, six players on the team. They were down to two. Some had injuries. Some mental health-wise just didn't feel like they could keep playing. It was too much stress on them. And then another one was just sick and couldn't continue to play. So they only had two. They needed four total players to go to an event and qualify as a team. We did not know this at the time. We actually just were like, we're on the golf team. Like, we're just here to, like – Make it so Meredith has a team, but we didn't realize it was affecting their varsity status. And then basically, without the Meredith College golf team, there wouldn't have been the USA South Conference, which we were not aware of at the time. They send out an email to the entire student body. Me, Sarah, and my sweet mate were the only ones who attended the interest meeting. The coach is like, just have fun. It's pretty easy. You have to get clubs or maybe the school can loan you some and we go away to tournaments. You have to have this paperwork. And we'll have a tournament in like maybe two or three weeks. Well, we all make the team without even having to swing at a golf ball.
2: I like the way you put that, swing at a golf ball.
3: (laughs) I was getting all my stuff shipped. So I was personally having to put expedite shipping on my stuff because I didn't know at the time, like when we joined the team, our first tournament would be the next weekend. Like we would get on a van the next weekend. So I'm expedite shipping everything. Sarah was shopping the night before we left to get shoes because our coach... Like, kind of, like, was like, you have to have shoes and a glove. That was, like, the only requirements. I don't really think he cared what we played in, because, like, girls on the team donated me clothes, and he was, like, trying to pass out stuff that would just, like, get us through this first tournament so we could look like a team. We get on the van. None of us talk to each other. Me and Sarah are put in the back together. The other two girls, like, are actually good. So we're, like, okay, that's fair. Like, y'all can, like, spread out in the two seats in front of us. I... Need to include this because it's my favorite part of how I decided I was going to befriend Sarah. Sarah is so much taller than me. And I looked at where I was sitting and I was like, Sarah, you can take my seat and have the leg room. So that's kind of how <laughs> we, like originally clicked. So it's me, Sarah, Jenna, and Lindsay on the way to the first tournament. We get there. We had to change for golf course etiquette. It's freezing. We weren't aware of this rule. We were petrified. Then we shot the famous scores and kept going and cried in the bathroom and now we're here.
1: (laughs) Okay. I like how you summarize that. Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? I think in terms of just like what happened, that kind of put a nice ribbon on it. And that's the story. That's what happened. We had no idea what was going on to be completely fair. We were clueless and riding blind the whole time. So we were just out there trying to figure stuff out. And we just leaned on each other for emotional support because it was rough at some points. (laughs) Well, Sarah,
2: let me tell you that I don't golf, haven't golfed. And one thing I wouldn't sign up for is to go play golf without having ever played golf. Like there's a lot of sports I might be like, you know what? Okay, they're starting a flag football team. I can figure that out. Golf though, not something I would just like raise my hand for. What was your like final reasoning of like, yeah, I want to do this.
1: Honestly, it's just the fact that It's an opportunity to be a collegiate athlete, which I feel like for so many people is like such an amazing, cool opportunity and not a lot of people get to do it, no matter like what division you're at. And I open up my Gmail inbox one day and it's like, hey, here's a free handout of an opportunity to be a collegiate athlete. I'm like, who's passing up this offer? Clearly a lot of people did. Um, (laughs) But looking back on it, yeah, golf is definitely a hard sport to just pick up. And I probably could have excelled a little bit better if I picked a different option, but that was kind of the card I was dealt and I took it. So so what was your experience playing golf? Did you have any experience playing golf before all of this? So for me personally, me and my family, we go to the beach a lot and play putt-putt, but it just did not translate at all to the golf course. <laughs> so I don't even count that as experience. And then my dad is very big into golf and plays all the lot. So I had been on the golf course with him. And then my like, brother and my little sister would play and they were very good golfers, in my opinion. But I mean, it doesn't take a lot to be a very good golfer in my eyes. Um, <laughs> so I had been on a golf course. I hadn't played 18 holes, but I had been around it, watched the Masters, um, <laughs> but didn't have any actual physical experience playing 18 holes or being on a golf team?
3: My aunt played when she went back to school because her job was like, if you take golf, like we'll pay for it. A lot of business deals happen out there. My grandparents played together when my mom and her brother were children, but they got so competitive with one another, they actually had to give it up. So I took the PE class at Meredith. I was like, okay, I might need this one day, like business-wise, just to get around a golf course. I don't actually have to be good at playing. I went to Knight's Plate one day and played pretty well. And then when that email came out, I was like, okay, like I played that one hole, like really good. So like maybe I can play now. And I hadn't swung in so long. It was atrocious. I will say like the day I got my clubs, I had taken a Kim exam that day. And it was a Friday afternoon. So like you know, just a really good party time after a Kim exam Friday afternoon in college. So I did have a drink in my dorm room and I was like setting out the cafeteria cups that we had just collected, like trying to put balls into them. And I was like, at least I'll be able to put. And I actually think it translated.
2: Macy, you mentioned the infamous scores of that first round for each of you. Can you, I mean, it's already in print, so it's not a secret. Will you share what the score was and then your best shot of that score and your worst shot of that score
1: okay so my score was 276 which is an average of 15 per hole okay that's what I was gonna ask so okay 15 per hole yeah but I would say like I had a lot of 20s like a lot of steady 20s and then like I would spice it up and do kind of good on a hole and get like an eight so I would say my best hole Funnily enough, was that first hole on the first day. The girl I was playing with had a really bad first hole and I had like a surprisingly good one. I think I had like an eight or nine on that one. And she had like about like a maybe seven or eight on that one. So I was like, oh, okay, there's that false confidence. Maybe this might, I might do something crazy out here. And then it just like all went downhill from there. So I guess like shot wise, on that first round I would say I had a lot of good shots out of the bunkers because I remember on the practice round my coach had like given me some pointers on like how to hit it out of the sand which was very kind of him considering I was in the sand on every single hole and then worst shot would definitely be like when I would get stuck in front of some water and it would just like be like ball after ball after ball in the water. And I just like couldn't get a grit. And then that just like mentally will defeat you. And then you're just like mad and irritated. And you're just like, oh, I just need to get over the water so I can finish the hole. But if you can't get over the
2: water, what if you just like can't get over the water? Do you keep adding to your total? Or at some point are they like, they take pity on you and you reach a maximum number? You just like. No,
1: it's ruthless out there. It's you have to okay. get the ball in the hole. <laughs> There are some like, um, yeah, which is like, yeah, there are some rules that like, they'll have like a drop zones. So, like if you get it in, you can drop it. But some of them, it's like you have to drop it behind the water and some of it you get to drop it in front. So no. it really like you can get close. But I mean, if you're new to golf and you can't get it over the water, it's one in, one out, one in, one out <laughs> until you get over. Got it.
0: Learn more at marines.com.
3: So my score the first day was on 158. And then my score actually went up on the second day to 175, I want to say is correct. I definitely think like it depended on who I was playing with because the girl I played with on the first day was like, she scored better than the girl I played with on the second day. They were both like really helpful, but I think like her guidance, I was like, okay, like I have to pick it up. Like I have to do better. I would say... The highest I shot might've been like a 15 on a hole at the first tournament. And then I was like, kind of like, I would just have like eights. maybe I'd get lucky and hit a six and then it would shoot back up to like a 15 or a 12 on a hole. My worst shot that tournament, it would probably be this one hole where I really didn't know about using a wedge. And I just like kept chucking ball after ball into a water. And my coach came over and was like, you can't hit a ball with your hybrid over here. Like it's gonna just continue to go into the water because this is not flat land. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And then like he said that I picked a different club and it was like right on over. And I was like, well, that would have been useful. I think my best shot at that tournament was on, there was like this ruthless par three in the back corner of the front nine. I wanna say it was like hole four. And I remember like I was still learning to use my driver and I was like holding my breath. I was like, I just pray like when I drive this ball, it doesn't roll off the side of the mountain into the alligator infested water, my coach is going to be mad I lost another ball and I'm going to be like, oh no, that sucks wow well <laughs> i like drove it over and the girl i was playing with her coach was watching and he was like proud and they were like cheering me on and i mean i ended up with an eight on a par three but just there adding the hypeness to me and made me feel good so i
2: imagine if i went to play golf it's a slice right where you go to drive it and then it like veers off to the right or whatever i just imagine if that is perpetually happening you never get near the hole I mean, I'm honestly just, I'm in awe of both of you that like you were shooting 15s or like, that seems great to me. Did you have expectations for yourself? Like, was there like a little part of your brain that was like, is this a Hollywood movie and might I win this tournament?
0: Oh my God! Incredible!
3: Happy Gilmore wins the gold jacket. So we went in and I'm like on the way there. I'm like, I know I'm going to be like kind of bad. I was like, Hey, maybe like somebody else is like thrown in somebody like on their team and they're in the same boat as me and Sarah. So like maybe me and Sarah just have to be this one other person. And I think if you look, I want to say it might be like this at the conference championship too. I could be completely wrong, but Sarah and I are technically never in last place because somebody always would withdraw or get sick or something and couldn't play. So they would be behind us. So we like even with our scores, we were never in last place. That was always our one thing was like, are we going to be in last place? Like somebody withdraw. I played the first hole in the practice round. I was like, okay, this might not be bad. Even my coach said that. And then I got to the second hole and I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is going to be awful. And then we got to the back nine and we were like still having to swing. And I was like, my body is going to give out. I don't know how I'm going to do this tomorrow. This is about to be my death wish. So... <laughs> after the first hole I was like I'm not winning this
1: <laughs> okay so for me I I don't think like I'm like a cocky person but like going into this I thought I was gonna do way better than I did I thought I actually could beat somebody on a opposing team I had played a par three at night play with my brother leading up to this tournament and I was like even though I did so bad I was like oh it's over like I'm going to beat somebody it's gonna be amazing Golf is my new sport. Like, this is it. And then I was like, if anything, all I have to do is beat the other new girl on the team. And I'm set. (laughs) And then I ended up with the two. Maybe I jinxed myself because I did get the 276. But no, I definitely did not play up to my expectations at all. In the story, there is a part where you say that you're both together crying and that you feel like you're trauma bonded. Can you talk about? what was going on at that point and and where you were and how you were feeling that it was in our hotel room the first tournament everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and we got stuck in a hotel room that was so dingy and smelled like cigarette smoke could barely breathe in it we were just going through like all this stuff and we were just like macy k was like are we gonna hang out after this and i was like girl are you kidding me at this point we're trauma bonded this is for life. <laughs> the stuff that we just went through, nobody else in the world will understand. Um, and it was really just that we just put ourselves in such a vulnerable position and like no, kind of unknowingly. And then we just stuck it out and like toughed it out and made it through. And I was like, no, like we are trauma bonded for life now. We're locked in and this is forever.
3: <laughs> I think Sarah and I had just been through so much already. I mean, we can put ourselves in tears, like, oh, I'm going to see Sarah after we record this and sit around in her house, and we can just talk to one another, and the stuff we say, like, just entertains us so much. Like, we will put ourselves in tears of laughter. We think, like, we are just the funniest people. I think we're just kind of, like, oblivious to one another. I would like to add that Sarah did not know, like, we were actually interesting to the golf world. Like, this was last night. Like, we've been on NBC, we were in Golf Digest. And last night, I'm like, yeah, like this article said da 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 da. And she was like, people are writing articles about us. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes.
1: Okay. I knew about the Golf Digest one, but there's other people are talking about us and writing articles about us. And this is news to me. I thought like it was pretty much just Golf Digest.
3: I think we're both so ADHD, like our brains have just synced up and now we're just locked and loaded for life.
1: I'm kind of like loving
2: 20 years from now when somebody asks how y'all met
3: mm. and you
2: get to tell this story just again and again. And again. it just won't get old for you. Definitely not.
3: No,
1: no. <laughs> so I play golf occasionally and I'm not someone that's in good golf shape, meaning after nine holes, usually I'll just give up. So what was it like having never played before physically going through the tournaments and having to play so many holes having to swing the club so many times like what what kind of physical toll did it take on your bodies i would say like getting through like golf takes so long and you're out there walking and it's a very slow paced game you hit a ball and you walk so far to go find said ball and you're just out there with your thoughts and like i feel like any other sport You know you're competing against people and it's like a little bit more high intensity and there's like a competitiveness factor but like golf you're really just out there with your thoughts you're in nature and i think that was how it was for me like that's when i was like okay is this going to end because i'm kind of getting bored and i mean yeah i was physically tired because my bag was very heavy and just going from not being an athlete whatsoever i mean i was kind of athletic and i work out occasionally and I'm kind of active, but like being put in that kind of position and having to walk for so long and be that physically active when you're not conditioned for it was definitely physically trying on your body.
2: So I've been thinking about why people are so enamored with this story. And I think one piece of it is that you two are like the actual manifestation of what people think playing golf out of nowhere would be like. And then also not that many people at that level, like an NCAA sport will do something that they are just bad at, right? Like they haven't practiced, like people don't do that. They don't try new things in that forum. That wasn't supposed to be a negative being bad at. It was like very brave. I feel like you actually put yourselves in a position that few people would maybe unknowingly, right? Like you unknowingly didn't know you were walking into the situation, but then you had to stick it out. So I guess that's sort of my armchair synopsis of why people are into this story. Do you have a a theory about like why
1: people think this is so fascinating? We were talking about this last night even. I just don't, I don't get it. Like I don't understand why people are fascinated by this. I don't understand why people and I also don't really think I fully understand like the degree of people that have seen this like we were on NBC and I'm like still like okay nobody cares and we were trying to figure out why I think like that last night but I would say why I think people are reading this story and like golf digest and stuff is just because I don't think there's been a story like this in any type of collegiate sport. In a long time. And it really does truly really sound like a movie. Like it sounds mm-hmm. like a movie. And I think people really want us to get better. So we can like kind of add to that plot. And I think it would be really cool if somebody did, you know, turned it <laughs> into a little script. Yep. So I think it's just fascinating because nobody's really doing that, like you were saying. No, I don't think anybody has yeah. done this. And nobody's kind of heard a story like this in a long time. I sure haven't. When you were out there. What percentage of people do you think were
2: helping you and rooting for you versus sort of like
3: side-eye? I think when we would show up at a course, if they weren't familiar with us, everyone was like, what? Um, So we even had the championship. And at the end, there was like a banquet dinner-style thing. And we sat down at the table and we're eating with this group of guys from another college. I can't remember and they were talking to us and we're like, yeah, me and Sarah are like, yeah, we're the ones that are shooting bad. And they were like, y'all are shooting that high. And we were like, yeah. And they're like, actually, you're getting better. They were like, we've been watching your scores go down every day. Like, it's intrigued us. So I think when we got to the course and would shoot high the first day, everyone was kind of taken back. But then I think when people would start meeting us they really just understood like we're just trying to learn the game we're kind of here just for our school we're getting ice cream after this like we're not trying to like beat you for like top 10 first place none of that so i think after that people were more open to like wanting to be our friends probably by the second day of a tournament
2: if you enjoyed listening to macy k and sarah you can listen to their new podcast Too many strokes, that's 2-T-W-O, many strokes.
0: It was July 10th, 1999 in Pasadena, California. You know it well, the day the U.S. women's soccer team beat China to win the Women's World Cup. After Brandi Chastain made the winning penalty kick, she ripped off her number six jersey and spun it over her head. Cut to January 5, 2000, the St. Clair Triangle is seen over Highland, Illinois. Witnesses reported a massive silent triangular aircraft operating an unusual range of near-hover at treetop heights. Why would an alien airship visit Highland, Illinois just 179 days after the U.S. women's team won the cup? Because it was Brandy Chastain, not Mia Ham, that appeared on David Letterman just 24 days before the win. Two plus four is six, and six is Chastain's number. By removing her jersey and showing her sports bra, Chastain signaled to the aliens to visit, what else? The home of Helvidia Milk Condensing Company. And you guessed it, Highland, Illinois, the seventh safest community in the 21st state. Seven times 21 is 147 and one plus four plus seven equals 12 and 12 divided by two is (laughs) Brandy's lucky number six. The proof is undeniable, is it not? For more weird but true conspiracies from women's sports, tune into my podcast, Connie Spiracy Theory. Now back to the show.
2: Well, here I am solo again, and I actually really love this story, and I know Jess dropped it in Slack about a week ago, and she also tweeted it out and was just talking about how much fun and how interesting the story of Macy and Sarah was. And so, as we like to do here on Off the Looking Glass, bringing both the historical element as well as the quirky elements, the pop culture elements... This kind of fits perfectly with an OTLG story. So hope you enjoyed today's, I'll call it, solo grab bag episode. And also, one last thing before I drop into our credits and try to roll through them with as much zest as I possibly can is we launched an IG channel for Off the Looking Glass. It's called At Pod, and we're excited about it because we're going to try and snip off some of our favorite sketches, some of our favorite ads, some of our favorite sound bites from interviews, and and just bring the whimsical tone of Off the Looking Glass to our IG channel. So if you're listening to this, please go give us a follow on Instagram at OTLGpod. All right, that'll do it for today's show. I got to thank Jess Matana anyway for co-hosting almost every episode, as well as helping produce this show. Anya Alvarez is the producer of Off the Looking Glass. Joel Schupack is our sound designer. Carl Scott is our executive producer. And Nameless Numberhead, Henry and Mari, here in Charleston, South Carolina, brought you that sketch, that fake ad, Connie's Spiracy Theory. So thank you to Nameless Numberhead. All right, y'all. See you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.